Hi, welcome to another episode of QBT. I am Maddie Germs. And I'm Sean. And we are two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. And today we're joined by Miss Gia Goodrich. This conversation is rich. I was gonna say like Gia. Gia. That's better. That's it. Gia. God, I hope you don't hate us for that. Okay, let's get started. Hey, Maddie girl. Hi, 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 hi. Um, how's Austin treating you? You know, the sun is beautiful. Um, I am riding around in this obnoxious red Mustang. It's truly oh, disgusting. Like you are a full fuckboy moment right now. I truly, deeply am. Like truly <laughs> and deeply, just like blasting music around. It, it's stupid. I'm having a good time though. Uh, is it I, a convertible? No, that I think okay, would that'd be transcend me. Yeah, no, I can't handle that. Um, yeah, just uh, enjoying the sun. Yesterday, I like sat out at the beach. Well, it's, it was at the water. It was like more oh, rocks. Okay. I wouldn't call it like. Beach, wait, but, Austin has a beach. Uh, there's a lake. There you go. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's fucking hot, and uh, for that, I am grateful. How are you? I'm good. I feel like, I mean, I'll get into it during Take Your Meds, but the sun is out and I feel like the sun is going to stay out here in Portland. Um, So there's that. And I feel like it, you know, just when the sun comes out, it puts you in a good mood across the board. So it really does. I've been feeling good, but let's get into our sub slut. Um, We have Gia on a little bit later on, and I feel like we might talk a little bit about creativity, maybe art. Um, what if we just and I don't? Wanna, what if we don't? We'll talk about something completely different, completely not related to those things. Whatever. Um, my question for you is, aside from our podcast, okay. uh, what is like a creative piece, experience, uh, performance, whatever, mm. that you're like most proud of? Mm. You want me to go first or you want to go? Yeah, you go first. I'm, I'm interested to hear what your response is. <laughs> Uh, Okay, when I was, (laughs) this is really funny, actually. When I was in high school, um, well, okay, first and foremost, I think it's almost a tie between what I'm about to say and the Black History Month event that I uh, threw along with incredible other great people um, last year. But I think this story is just funnier. Uh, When I was in high school, I used to write like a lot just for like fun. So I used to write a lot of short stories. And um, I I wrote like one or two just in my free time, like literally on weekends, we just like wake up dumb early and just be like, I'm going to write, um, which was fun. And I wrote these stories that were like very heterosexual and very black and very, um, I don't know if you know who like Zane and Eric Jerome Dickey are, but they're like black authors that just have like a, it's like a genre of romance, I would say. Okay. Okay. Of like black romance. Okay. Anyways, my stories were very that. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like they were pretty good and they kind of blew up like in, my, like in my high school, like underground. Like people, I think I shared it with like a friend and she was like, oh, I'm really into this. When are you writing the next one? And I was like, I don't know, I guess this weekend. Um, and you I just sort of created fanfic this. for your high school. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't fanfic because there were no like celebrities or like. Got it. 
pop uh, pop culture like characters or anything. But I don't know. I created some characters and people in my high school like it really resonated with them. And wow. I don't know. I wrote. I think I wrote like ten of them. I should try to like find them. They probably exist on like a laptop in my mom's like basement. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty proud of those. That's incredible. <laughs> I um... and they were all related, and they were oh my god, and they were all. Um, do you have drawings? Titled after like a black R&B song from like the 90s. <laughs> like Week by SWV or like, I don't know. Was the song anything. ever incorporated into the story? Oh, like, you best believe it. Okay, like where? at least one lyric was in the like, <laughs> <laughs> was in the story. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. Um, when I was in maybe more middle school, but uh, the biggest thing for me was like, instead of passing notes, we would like, essentially pass around these comics like we would like each draw a square or like a part of the story or we would just like write a whole comic and then pass it along and then wait and get back like a few more panels or like extra whatever but a lot of what i would draw would be like at the time it was like happy tree friends do you remember that shit oh my god yeah and so i was drawing these like animals getting like blown up and mutilated and this teacher found it and was like literally child what the fuck is wrong with you and i'm like you don't get it it's the internet but like you know i'm 11 the they, don't, they don't know what that means they're just like you're disturbed and i was like true <laughs> true um they sent you to the principal's office no but i'm also just remembering that my mom got really pissed because I told the teacher that my mom doesn't even know what the fuck this is, so it doesn't matter what she tells her. And then she told my mom that. And so my mom was like, you think I'm some stupid woman? I'm like, oh my God, I just like, you don't understand what Flash is. I mean, is. yes. Like, but... <laughs> no, I think my mother's very smart. I just think she doesn't get the internet in the same way I don't get like the stuff the kids are doing now. Um, I don't know if that's like the most creative thing that I'm proud of. Uh, <laughs> I would say... Um, there's a few drag things that I think were very funny, but one I'm just remembering, um, and it kind of responded off of our conversation with Toto last week, just watching her performances. I just really got in my head around live performances again and like what that energy is like. And I was remembering this one time that I asked like a bunch of people that I knew to record like them talking shit about me or offering a read to me and then i cut them all together and then inserted in into Lindsay lohan's rumors so it'd be like i'm tired of rumors started and then be like germs is such a fucking slut and then like and it was like there's this part that i like ripped off my wig and i had this like tiny little thin ass ponytail and this like club of 70 people was like um, it was really stupid. And then at the end, I Why didn't you do with... the actual scream just now? <laughs> because, like, you know, it's a microphone. Um, Maddie, like, mouthed the scream, but didn't make the um, scream. At the, at the end of it, I cut in RuPaul where she's like, as gay people, we get to choose our family. Like, it was very funny. It was very cute. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, that was embarrassing to me. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's keep no, it I pushing. It. Let's keep it pushing. And what about it? What you got? Um. All right. Let's talk about politics a little bit. Um. In good news, uh, Maryland has become the first state in our nation to repeal, uh, like police, uh, the police, like Bill of Rights. So that's Fuck a yes. win. Fuck um, yes. You know, long story short, um, essentially they are repealing the law enforcement officers' bill of rights um, and replacing it with way more sort of um, community. 
accountability um, and involving the community a little bit more. So whenever they're going to essentially whenever there is a, a report about police misconduct or um, excessive force, um, you know, they're going to have sort of the community weigh in on consequences related to that. They're letting those records be. Uh, public now, which is great. Um, I didn't even realize that when some crazy shit happens with the police, like oh, the records are just private. sealed and nobody yes. can yeah. see it. Um, so that's that's good news. Yeah. And then they also are restricting a lot of, um, I don't know what to call them, like police behaviors. I don't know. Okay. Um, excessive like force. So okay. Police have to use every single um, other sort of attempt to. I don't know, reconcile a situation before using force. Um, and they have to be able to prove that they like used cool. like they went like de-escalation tactics. Yeah, there we go. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh they have to prove they've used every de-escalation tactic like possible uh before using force. Um and obviously be able to support that like in court. Um they're making body cams mandatory by twenty twenty five. I wish it was a little sooner, but that's fine. Um, they're restricting no-knock warrants, so you can't just, like, bust up in somebody's house if you want to. Um, and, yeah, I think they're, what's his name? Larry Hogan, uh, who is, is he a mayor? Governor? Who runs the state? Oh, no. Okay. Who runs mayor, the governor, state? Oh, I think governor. Governor. Mayor's city. Uh, the governor of Mayor Lynn is, oh, yeah, there we go. It's sitting right here in front of my face. Uh, governor Larry Hogan. <laughs> Fuck you, guy. Um, he tried to veto this entire thing. Uh, and then the Democratic-led uh, legislator said, like, nah, like, this is happening regardless. So Damn. he's pissed. Of course, like, the police fraternity, the fraternity order of police, whatever, they're mad about it. Um, sure. And their their whole, you know, angle is you're going to, like, hurt people wanting to want to be police and, like, you're going to make people feel like unsafe as police. And then I think that one of the one of the many people who spoke out like again or for this uh, this new uh, oh God, I do not have words today. Sorry uh, for this repeal uh, was like it was a black man. And he was like, yeah, I would also like to not die. So yeah. I don't know. I think it's a win win. Exactly. Um I think a few people wish they there was a little bit more involved and that it was happening a little faster, which I agree with. But yeah. I think that for this to be, you know, happening in the first place and for it to be happening on a state level is amazing. Yeah, uh, I'm super stoked about it, too. I think a, a lot of people don't recognize that the reason that a lot of police reforms aren't able to happen is for what you're saying. Like the shit that people do is locked behind closed doors under this guise of a police union. They're called different things in different states. But like. This idea of a union is meant to be in support of workers and class solidarity. And what it has become is this barricade of protection for police officers. It's a mm -hmm. secrecy, a brotherhood, a fucking like, you know, internal investigation or like internal punishment. And that can often just mean like, go oh, take two weeks off, babe, like have a good time. Um, <laughs> hell yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for this to happen. I, I hope we see more of this shit roll out, if not federally, like in other states, I think I'm really, really interested in this, to see what it means when there isn't this um, essentially separation of law for police officers because of these types of uh, unions and these types of uh, bill of rights that these police folks have. And what you were just saying around um, the governor 
being mad, the exact opposite thing happened in Arkansas. So the Republican state legislature passed this like extreme trans healthcare bill, which we talked a little bit about like the mass of them that were kind of popping up a few weeks ago. Um, but they put out this thing around uh, trans healthcare being illegal for, I, I want to say under 21, like it's not even 18, it's like under 21. And then the governor was like, that's fucking awful. You guys are being very extreme. And this is a Republican governor is like, you're being very extreme. You can't do this. This is wild. Vetoed it. But then because of the opposite thing that happened, you know, the state legislature then overturned his veto. So then this bill passed. Um, and it's, I, I think it's probably very scary to be in Arkansas right now as a trans person, as a queer person, like, Mm. Which is another reason, I mean, we can jump into it now, that I find, like, Simone on Drag Race, like, so incredible. Like, watching them cry at themselves in this, like, top four episode, which, like, I guess spoilers, but, like, fuck you. But there's, like, um, this little babe who, like, yes, we're getting them from L.A., but that L.A. move is, like, within the last, like, two years, three years, maybe. Yeah, and getting from Arkansas to L.A. is... (laughs) Let me tell. I mean, that's I, enough. My of family a jump. is from like literally west. It's from West Tennessee. Like they are f- like from an hour outside of the Arkansas like border. Um, yeah. That shit ain't easy. It's like not easy. I don't know. Very proud of of Simone. I I think Simone uh, getting up there and like telling this like unapologetically black, unapologetically. Uh, sort of femmy kind of story. The way that they like slither around is like super fucking faggy, and I love it. And like, you know, I mean, that babe has the same fucking head that they've had their entire life. I mean, everyone does, (laughs) but you know, when you saw that picture of baby Simone, it was just like that looked like Simone's face, just like on a different, like taller body. But, um, I, I feel so scared for kids right now a little bit, like. You know, in the Obama era, North Carolina, the state I'm from, did the trans bathroom bill. And that was like this super extreme thing that happened that then has taken years to work on repealing. I hope it doesn't take years for trans kids to be able to get what they need either. But it's just like there's this myth out that it's like you're offering life altering surgeries, et cetera, et cetera. And that's just not true. It's like puberty blockers are reversible puberty isn't like and mm. it's it's really easy to induce puberty later you can't undo puberty and like these laws are gonna kill people and that sucks like it just fucking sucks but it's also met with this juxtaposition of baby simone smiling on tv and like while they don't identify as trans you know you have got Mick there and as much as I fucking hate Drag Race for like these multitude of reasons I feel like this season in this time has offered me I don't know some joy like despite it going on for 19 years <laughs> like I I have joy from this season and got Mick and Simone to me are just like some of the coolest people I've seen on TV ever yeah I <clears throat> when I was watching the episode uh because I didn't watch it on Friday night but I watched it yesterday and I don't know if seeing the top four, I was like, I guess we'll just move into TV and film right now. Uh, I was like, oh, this is a pretty diverse and inclusive, like, top four. It could always be more diverse and inclusive, but 
you know, I was I was happy that I wasn't looking at three or four like white cisgender like outside of drag sure people you know yeah. i don't know there's there's a variety there i feel like there's a variety of backgrounds and experiences that i'm not used to seeing mm-hmm. um between candy simone Gottmik, and rose who's your i guess i'm what i'm saying is i'm used to seeing a top four that is 75 percent rose yeah it's like white 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 and then the black queen you're rooting for yeah right. yeah 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 um i get that to me i wish rose wasn't there she bores me i don't like her i i i think uh she's talented but i also mm-hmm. think that fucking hair on that tartan runway was disgusting it, like, I it was so long that hair and that makeup <laughs> personally was, she is not good at makeup that i mean i obviously i'm not either but like part of drag race is being a like judge on your couch right and for yeah. me it would have eliminated the fuck out of rose don't get it i have not gotten it don't understand it um candy i think i adore is just not at the same fashion level which is like not necessarily her fault i guess <laughs> like i think that there's like an element of like sometimes it takes some of these queens seeing themselves in a certain body mm-hmm. shape on mm-hmm. tv and like watching a silhouette to kind of click oh something sort of work for cuting around in the club and it doesn't translate to tv Gottmik right. though has understood the assignment it, talking about understanding the assignment Gottmik has right. understood the assignment the entire time and like simone has had these moments of like slipping in within the competition but on the runway even on that fucking roast challenge where she bombed the most gorgeous woman <laughs> like that gold do you remember she was like wearing that gold and that glove and then like had that like brown hair just like stunning and when she was when rupaul was like what makes your skin glow she's like baby oil she's like i fucking hate I, you <laughs> when i tell you i fell out i was like simone you get it <laughs> like, yeah you are unapologetically black and like yeah. I don't know. It, it was great. Um, I also love that interview that they did with Gottmik. I mean, yeah. I think Ruth said, like, you can, like, I'm just charmed by you every time. And I'm like, it's so true. Like, Gottmik yeah. is somebody that I'm like, I could literally sit here and talk to you all day. Like, I just all want you around. <laughs> yes. Gorge. Yes. Um, I fully agree. I think um, I loved Rue calling out his porn star name that was very funny um but Cade I, is it Cade Cade yeah yeah I just think so uh star. for me the two in that Lucky song which one how did no one reference Britney in a song called Lucky how did that not happen like how did that not happen well stupid. probably for probably I don't know there was probably something legal you don't have to say couldn't. Britney Spears you don't even have to say anything you're like this is a song about a girl called Lucky like it's easy to just like make it's, a reference yeah. and not like it's so I can't I just couldn't believe it. But also but, not like just all around not my favorite RuPaul song. No, but the aesthetic was great. The lingerie. Oh and the my color god! Blocking, yes, very I cute. was obsessed very with cute. it. I was like, I will say this is my least favorite probably RuPaul so, song I've seen them perform. Yeah, but my favorite like uh, like set design and yeah. like production. And Simone like to me was like she was at the top for me because she was giving a type of drag race um, rap that I don't think I've heard before. It was like Mm -hmm. 
there was an, uh, an element of attitude and a kind of refusal to do that. Yeah. Like she yeah. wasn't doing that. And she was like playing with accent in a very fun way. Like she, Candy gave us the, the typical kind of drag race verse. It was fine. You know, that, that part right. where she whispers is so funny to me when she's like, <laughs> like, I, like it's also cause it's like edited in a way where it's like, she might've whispered it, but then they add this under production bass where it's like, she's whispering. And it's very funny in that song to me, but like got mixed verse. I think, I think is like the, was the best in terms of like traditional type of drag race mm-hmm. music song, whatever. But Simone's was the most interesting to me. Honestly, if they do a double crowning of got and Simone, I'm not going to be upset about it. Oh, I wouldn't be mad at all. Yeah. And I mean, I have it. I, I'm pretty much convinced it's going to come down to Got Mick and Simone. I hope so. If it's Rosé, I, know it's not, I will I riot. know it's not Candy. No. Though I baby. love her to death. I mean, Candy has grown on me. I think that we might have talked about it on the podcast. Like, at the beginning, I was like, I am not here for her. Like, this I've is a Candy lot for one. somebody who, like, I think it bothered me when she talked about, uh, what's her face? Mm-hmm. Mother. Tamisha like, Mon. Tamisha Amon. I was like, you need to calm down. Like, I get it. Like, I get it. But, like... Candy was right, respect though. Your el- like, I'm always about, like, respect your elders. Even if you don't necessarily think that what they are doing is, like, the best creatively. Um, okay. So, I am all about respect your elders until you disrespect me. And Tamisha Amon was being very disrespectful of Candy. And, yes, Candy went the fuck off. But, like, Missy Tamisha Amon got like in her feelings about a compliment to Simone and was so insecure about not being viewed on the same talent level as Simone. But like, guess what, bitch? You're not <laughs> like you just weren't I mean, like, yeah, like you're, and, and so to come from that level of like defensiveness and attacking this person who's like, I just complimented my friend and told her I think she's great and I think she's great competition. And you're now screaming at me because I don't think that you're... But I also didn't say you weren't. I just didn't talk to you, which is not the same thing. Like, I didn't say, you, Tamisha Mon, suck. I just didn't address you. And, like, now you're screaming at me? No. Sit down. Drink some juice. Like, go right. Like, I can't handle <gasps> I it. I go drink some juice. <laughs> drink some juice, baby. Drink some juice. I need to drink some juice. I also this don't I literally how right that right. went down, but... <clears throat> I don't know. Long story short, Candy has grown on me a lot. Um, I don't think she's going to make it. Like, I'm totally fine with her going home now, for real, for real. But, yeah, I I think Rosé has to be... I hate saying this, but I'm like, Rosé has to be there. Like, it's just, you know, the typical white drag queen. Sorry. Like, she has to be. They have to have at least one of those. Yeah. Um, because ratings, so... I mean, and maybe it's just because I don't like a Broadway queen. Like, I just don't... I really like Jinx, actually. But Jinx, I think, has a point of view. Rosé, I don't think, has a point of view. Like, I don't know what Rosé's point of view is other than, like, a sort of triangle shape. Like, I don't understand... I don't understand that person's, like, view of drag. I don't understand that person's understanding of gender. All I know is that they can, like, do a dance in a wig and they can sing. Like, okay. Okay. Right. I think... And um, with that... In reality, okay. yeah, yeah, we can go. We can, we, we can keep moving on. I didn't realize we were like screaming about this for so long. Um, I know. Um, what other TV? So, you got? yeah, for TV. Okay, I know you haven't watched it yet. It's fine. When you do, we'll have probably we might have a broader conversation about it. I want to finish it as well. But them on Amazon Prime, um, new show, somewhat produced completely by Lena Waithe. Down middle um, up. What are you feeling? 
I watched the first two episodes last night. Probably a bad decision because it is a... So Them is a horror anthology series. So each um, season will be a different story with a different family, I believe. Um, But... This first season is about a family moving from like the Jim Crow South. I believe they're in Georgia and they move from uh, Georgia to Compton, uh, Compton, L.A. Uh, in the 1950s, you know, before Compton was what people associate Compton with now. Um, okay. And it, listen, without spoiling anything, all I can say is there are two things I can say. One, I don't think I have ever in my life watched such an intense like last 10 minutes of like a show before i've seen intense movies uh and like intense moments in movies but like for a television series and for it to be the first episode the last 10 minutes of that first episode are just i I was in my apartment screaming and covering my eyes at like 12 o'clock at night because it was just like terrifying it was both terrifying. It was terrifying on multiple levels, like okay. from a horror perspective, from like um, from like a black horror perspective, like as a black person watching some things, um, and then intense from like a. I have never seen this on television before. Okay, like a black person doing this on television before, and it, okay. for that reason, it scares me because I feel like something bad is going to happen to these mm. black people because they're not supposed to be doing that. That's all I can say okay. um, without giving anything away. That I'll and then the out. second point. Yeah. And then the second um, point is, God, I do not want to mess this woman's name up. Um, her name is Deborah Ayorinde. I hope I'm not messing your name up, girl. <laughs> Give this woman an Emmy and a Golden Globe right now. <laughs> like, she is acting her ass off. And Work. I feel her emotionally. And again, I just want you to watch. I want everybody to go watch that first episode because it it stressed me out. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this tonight. And then I immediately like watched the second episode and was like, Is the whole thing out or is it coming out like episodically? Uh, I don't, I have no idea. Okay. I didn't look forward to like the other episodes. I was just like, All right, I'll watch the second episode if it's available. Amazon Prime just like played it immediately. Um, And then the first like 10 minutes of the second episode were just like, this is intense. I do not know if I can keep watching this show because mm. it is like my heart is palpitating right now. As a black person, my heart is palpitating for these people. Sure. <laughs> I'm so super excited about it. it. I I feel like I hold a mild reservation just because I've heard mixed reviews around the production level of like, are they using Lena Waithe as this black woman to sort of like protect themselves from essentially a bunch of white producers and white Amazon stealing jordan peele's ideas like mm-hmm. or is it Them a more involved thing is very yeah yeah i mean and like it, it could easily just be like that comparison is easy because they decided to put position themselves as like look it's sort of like this and it isn't actually fair because it's a completely different thing that whatever um i would say that that's where my suspicion or hesitation mm-hmm. comes from but also i just like haven't been watching tv like i normally do i'm sure when i get back next week i'm gonna be like binge um made for love though i saw the first few episodes of that on hbo max i really like that um, yeah i really like it too i think it advertises itself strangely whatever it advertises itself as like the the main picture and like the thing i don't think it conveys that it's a good story it took yeah. me getting through the first episode to be like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> like, I was really, I don't know what I thought the first thing was going to be about. 
Um, but I was, I was a little standoffish to that poster and that story. And then I got three episodes in and I was like, okay, I will absolutely finish this. This is very cool. Cause she's like on the run and like, he can like see everything. Yeah. It's, it's fucked I mean, it's up. definitely it's an so interesting, uh, and I mean, I haven't finished it, but it's definitely, I mean, I think a new episode comes out every Thursday, so nobody's finished it. But I think oh, that right. it's definitely an interesting story to be told around like technology and about surveillance and like, where's the sort of limit? Like, yeah. what's the boundary there? I went into it completely blind. Uh, I think it was literally, was it when Gary was here? It was whatever, like a week or two ago. Um, I smoked and was just like, Mm, a new show on HBO Max. <laughs> I'm just gonna put it on. Like, didn't read the description. Didn't care. Um, I also really like. I think her name is Kristen Milioti, uh, the woman that plays the main, the main character. Yeah. I just like like her. So I saw her face, and it was on HBO Max, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'll give it a shot." Yeah. Um. And yeah, after that first episode, I was like, "Oh, I'm sold. Like, this is great." Um. Check it out. Uh. And then honorable mention while we're talking about HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, the other two I just saw is on HBO Max. So if you don't know, the other two, it's a series that uh, premiered on Comedy Central, I think like two or three years ago at this point, two yeah. years ago. Um, I've only seen and, like the pilot and some change. Yeah, I've saw, I like, I watched the whole first season and I really like that show. Like it's really sweet. It's really, I think... Um, tells a really good story about family, tells a really good I think I like the the gay storyline. It's not like a typical gay storyline. Mm-hmm. Um My favorite essentially thing if you're not, from that mm-hmm. show is like the six second clip of Kate Berlant like walking out of the publication office and she's like, I am gagging for you, faggot. Let's go. And then like walks away <laughs> and it is just like I think about I am gagging for you, faggot, like all the time like i wish i could remove it from my brain but i i have seen so little of that show and that clip is embedded into my psyche oh my gosh i I love love it i mean if you don't know what it's about it's essentially about um a family there's like a mother and then her three children um the youngest of those three children like becomes instagram famous or like social media famous um and then it just sort of chronicles the hilarious but also really endearing and like sweet uh dynamic between like their family yeah because uh, the mom is also the manager of the youngest kid and then the reason why it's called the other two is because it, it pretty much follows the lives of the the older two siblings right uh, one being a daughter and one being a son and the son being gay so it i don't has know the go energy check it out of like search party potentially being able to like have a resurgence like getting picked mm-hmm. up and moved over like good storyline, but like it lives on Comedy Central, and like that's more right. of a bro channel. To be honest, I don't think it's like a great place for that type of story. So I'm I'm hoping that it has a new life. I'm excited to get back into it. That's what I figured as well. Um, when I saw it on HBO Max, I I immediately thought. Well, first I was like, oh my god, did the second season come out? And then I looked and saw it was only season one. And then I thought, oh well, if they're putting it on HBO Max, then like they, that means they want more eyeballs on it. Yeah. And if I know anything about HBO, like they don't just do one season of anything. Um, That's and that fair. must also mean that the series is owned by Warner Brothers or something. So oh. I have a feeling that probably in the next year or two we'll get another season of it and then figure it out. Um, talk about this old Navy commercial. Oh my 
God. Fucking Gwen Stefani. Giving me things I don't need. Don't like, need. She, and then bringing Sweetie into it. I'm very, I'm happy for Sweetie I'm because like whatever like, get that fucking crossover, money, girl. like you <laughs> like, better get this pop like fame. Exactly. Like you deserve girl. Exactly. I mean, I kind of hate it was with Gwen Stefani, but I mean, I guess Gwen Stefani is like a pop culture like vet like veteran so if it's there is something like, you want to align it's with it's just for money like that's the only it's just for money it's just yeah, for yeah, money yeah, yeah. and Saweetie being like so good for her whatever <laughs> fucking gym I haven't even watched ass. the video I've listened to the song and I'm like I don't I need to I need to like sit down and be real high before I watch this video I saw someone <laughs> edit over like old navy graphic and like 30% off yes. it like very funny like because i saw that and was like oh so this, this but it so it wasn't an old navy commercial i know it i mean and nothing is altered except the text added onto it it, it, yeah. it has that same energy it's like oh do you gosh. remember that um sangria song by jordan sparks it came out like last year no um, I didn't even know Jordan Sparks had made anything new in the last well, like, two it, years. Because it got dragged for looking like a fucking Old Navy commercial. And this is like round two, like a year later. Oh, it's no. like red sangria. And she has like a pit stain in it. It's really, <gasps> it's it's not good. It's very sad, honestly. The song is like catchy <laughs> enough, but it feels like a, a wine mom song. Like it doesn't sound like yeah. an adult right, regular song. And that's song. what this sounds like. This, this sounds like. Slow clap yeah, song. It sounds like it's meant for all the millennial the late millennial moms and yes early gen xers i don't know <laughs> anyway <laughs> jojo um, and Siza, though uh pretty song i think much hmm. better visual than song but i like the song i haven't watched the video for it i've definitely i i mean the song i'll put it like this the song is definitely a song that i could see myself i mean i did it this morning i was like oh let me put on this song like it's a cute song for like the morning time right or for like a chill sunday which I think most of the music is for. But, um, <laughs> the video I, I is mean, it's, gorgeous. It's, it's so beautiful. And I mean, the, has a just funny the album art looked, looked great. So I'm like, okay, I'm excited to check that out. Um, and then Miguel released it, released it, released uh, Art Dealer Chic 4. I don't know where Art Dealer Chic 1 through 3 is. <laughs> um, but it's uh, Miguel's new EP. It's very Miguel. Um, I'm a Miguel fan. Uh, I know some people are like, Bleh. but uh, I like him. And he I, does have abs. Yeah. Does he? Because I feel like those disappeared recently. Oh, my bad. I feel like that's what he was famous for is like, he's got a smooth voice and like rock and body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I like that he's definitely, he has been able to marry like R&B and like rock in a really cool way that I've always enjoyed. Um, and this album is just typical Miguel. There is a, somebody can find this for me. There is a line, he uses a sample from like a movie or a TV show where this guy who sounds like Gerard Butler or like somebody from that region, um, screaming at some woman about like sex that she had with another man and just like did you like suck him off and she's like yeah and then he's like did you let him did you play with yourself while he was like i don't know fucking you or what i don't know what the exact words are that doesn't even make sense what does this have um, to do with miguel i don't know why it's in that song but when <laughs> i heard it i a was like whoa this is really graphic and i'm here for it but like Okay. Why is this popping up right now? And then it started to bother me because like, oh, wait, I actually think I've heard this before, but I don't remember from where. Because at the end of it, he's like, did you swallow his cum? And she's like, yeah. And he was like, what did it taste like? And she goes, um, 
like yours, but sweeter. And oh. I was like, whoa. That's and then the, like, the song ends. And I was just like, okay, that like is yours, a lot. but sweeter. Yeah. I'm going to use that. I don't know when, but I like it. I don't know when, but if somebody ever questions what somebody's cum tastes like, you should. Um, before we head out of And What About It, I do want to mention that uh, DMX passed away uh, this past week, and it's really sad. Um, I think we mentioned it last week. He um, overdosed and was in sort of like critical, critical condition. Uh, a lot of people were not looking for him to pull or did not think he was going to pull through. And he did not, unfortunately, um, sad loss to hip hop and rap um, and to all of us Romeo Must Die fans. So just like a full, you know, wonderful human being, a fan of the Golden Girls. Like, has these, I, I've appreciated this week just seeing all these clips of DMX, like, out in the world. Like, yeah. um, you know, everyone knows the stuff he's the famous for. Yeah, the bark. But, like, I think that there's this person and personality that um, seemed very beloved. And I, it, it sucks. Yeah. Um, Prince Philip died, it does, though, and which I think that, um... <laughs> that old bitch can choke. Yeah. I mean, he was 99. I was like... Come on. And I think he got into, like, a car accident, like, two years ago and then was in the hospital. Like, like I was just, like... He looked like they were weekend at Bernie's ing him for, like, too long. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like, he just looked yeah. dead for a long time. Just And I mean, and after around. this, like, Meghan Markle, um, Prince Harry? Prince Harry uh-huh. uh, interview with Oprah, I'm just, like... Honestly, no. fuck y'all, Roy. They can all choke. You can go. You can all die right now and just give it all to Meghan. Also... she fucking deserves. Lana fucking Del Rey posted a picture of the queen and prince philip and was like i've always loved their love in black and white like why does that woman want to be hated so bad like why does lana del rey just wake up every morning and choose violence toward herself like that is what i don't understand like like they're literally cousins you stupid bitch like what oh okay let's get out of this and talk to gia We're back, and we are joined by the one, the only, Gia Goodrich. What? Hey, girl. Hello. How you doing? Hey, girl, hey. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> We're super excited to have you. Um, I was intro to you from our mutual friend, Jess, uh, Jessica Yellis, um, and I feel like, I don't know, like, she introed us, and just from, like, our initial email, I was like, oh, like, I, yeah. I'm excited to have Gia on. This is going to be a great conversation. Um, so thanks for being here. Of course. I felt similarly. I was like, I think the three of us were separated by birth and, like, maybe <laughs> 10 plus years of life. But other than that, totally twinsies. Agree. We can, let's, we're starting a family, like, now. Yeah. Officially. <laughs> <laughs> Obsessed. I mean, uh, mostly, though, I'm... People listening can't understand this, but your Zoom presence is so gorgeous. Like, it, even you smiling at me, like I'm, I'm like choking on my words. Like you're just so beautiful, and like I um, I'm just obviously a multi-talented person in many ways. But and beauty is one of those things. But it is striking. It's truly striking. Thank you. That really means a lot as like, first of all, an ugly duckling that grew up with all sorts of like body image, all kinds of ridiculosity and then secondly because this transition to zoom and showing up on camera has like oddly since pandemic become a big part of 
what I do is like help people show up that way. Cause there is like a weird lost in translation thing that can happen when you're showing up in a digital space. So yeah. So I love that, that you can like get my energy. I mean, you, you also have like the strongest uh, email presence, like in, in a, in a very inviting way. Like I've never received so much personality in an email, like (laughs) truly just uh, you have like an amazing signature, but also like all your plugs for your things. And then an amazing gift that's working. And I'm just like, Wow, I know this person from an email. That never happens. Yeah. That never ever happens. You're oh, doing it right, I love girl. that. Well, we'll probably dig into like, you know, the identity stuff that I'm rocking with, but I'm neurodivergent. And so I really actually work very hard on that because my default is I realized is interpreted as like a bitch that does not care about you will eat you for breakfast with zero feelings. And so I really work hard in like infusing my energy. So people don't, you know, walk around feeling like I hate them. Cause I, <laughs> I don't hate most people. <laughs> well, I thank do. you for, Oh yeah. <laughs> no, Shani, joking, go, go. <laughs> um, I also feel like we could probably sit here for an hour and compliment each other all day. Uh, so we <laughs> really? won't do that, but really? I mean, let's, I mean, let's, let's just dig into it. Um, so, Gia, I mean, you probably hold multiple identities. I mean, we know that you are the host of the Bold Bitch podcast. Um, you have a YouTube channel. You're a photographer. Um, there's lots going on with you. But yeah. we want to hear from you, straight from your mouth. What are the identities that you hold? Um, and how do you show up in the world with those identities? Yes, which I, I just love this question because I think it's so fascinating the ways that we show up and what resonates with us. So I am a gay, mixed black, ADHD, and ASD having bold bitch. And that I think is the the mix and the space where all of those converge is really the way that I show up in the world, both the positive and also the things that can be really rough, rough and rocky. So I mean... I feel like, okay, I already have a question just coming out of that, right? Like, (laughs) Jesus. Um, Being mixed race and gay and, um, you know, having mental health related challenges. How, I mean, what is that journey like? Like, what has that been like for you? Yeah, well, I grew up never really feeling like I was inherently valuable. I didn't see myself reflected. Mm. At the time, we're talking like, the late 80s, early 90s into the 2000s, where whatever sort of non-white cis hetero representation there was, was Mm mono-ethnic. And I just remember I like, I had Tiger Woods, was like my one person who was was just like, no, like I am an amalgamation of these different stories and it's important to me that they're honored. Mm -hmm. So there was that aspect of it. And then also just understanding because probably the neurodivergent part is a big is a big piece of it that I didn't really understand for a long time how much of that really resonated where it's just like I always felt like an alien that people didn't recognize as an alien so Mm. I learned all of these like coping strategies to survive a lot of them (laughs) being based on like hardcore manipulation tactics I realize now but it all came from this place of like just on 100% not feeling like I belonged. Can you, for those who aren't familiar, explain what neurodivergent means? Yeah, so neurotypical is, so it's based on this idea of neurotypical, which is just the trajectory of brain development that we on our society are like coded to supposedly have. 
So people mm. who have sensory processing disorders or ADHD or are on the autism spectrum, and there are many, many more ways that one can be neurodivergent, but it basically means that your brain is operating with a different set of skills mm. and really honoring that and figuring out a way to navigate in the system that is not designed for your brain. Yeah. yeah. I'm obsessed with your... Um ability to articulate that because I think that that can be really, <clears throat> I think people get it from a sense of like what, um, I don't know, coming from a place of lack. And I really appreciate that you highlight the skill set that's there because um, even the term or the idea of neurodivergent feels ridiculous in some ways because of the multitude of people that experience this quote neurodivergence. Like what's divergent if most of us have that. Right. You, just, yeah, you know it's what like I mean? Minority. <laughs> right. It's like minority. Very that. Very that. We pretty much take over the world. But yeah, cool. Um, for you, was that something that you've known a long time? Was that diagnosis later? Was that diagnosis like an enlightenment? Like, how did that feel and how did you come to that? Yeah. So it happened. I was diagnosed as AD, with ADHD in my mid 20s. And that was sort of this light bulb moment. And it's actually been this year that I've realized that I'm also on the autism spectrum. And one of the reasons why it took so long in my life to get these diagnoses and really have this framework is one, because both of those are typically coded and research looking at boys in mm. their adolescence, right? And so they're, they're missing the ways that they show up. But also, which again, kind of goes back to like superpowers, I was really good at masking and figuring out ways to survive and thrive in these environments. And so the people who know me really, really well also know like the, the trough part of that, where it's like everybody else gets like the sexy wave. And then they're the ones that see me like, I don't understand. What no. does this mean? Like, can you read this to me? Because I actually can't read this block of text that's so big. So there are things like that, that, that people see, but for a long time, I just knew that the world was harder for me than other people, but I didn't really understand why. And having the language now for it has been super freeing, but also really scary mm -hmm. and, and tough to kind of reconcile in terms of disclosure, in terms of having a business and showing up in a very powerful way and knowing that there are a lot of kind of weird associations that people can have that might not that might be suboptimal and figuring all that stuff out and i mean so when you talk about sort of um why are things like harder for me to do things this way or why does it feel like i'm different um and everybody else is experiencing this completely like being able to adjust or uh deal with it in a much more maybe healthy way or way that is right quote unquote according to america i'll say mm -hmm. um how do you sort of distinguish that between you know, being mixed race and uh, mixed black at that, right? Because mm -hmm. black people experience things all the time that it's like, I don't know why this is so hard for me and so easy for you. And right. then also being a woman that's like just off the cuff, it, you said it yourself, like there, this society that we live in is built for men. So like, how did you learn to distinguish the race, the gender, uh, the sexuality, and right. then also this mental health piece. I feel like, you know, you have those four things going on at the same time. At any given point, how do you distinguish what is what, I guess? I don't. Mm. I don't do a very good job of it. I think it's the long and the short answer. 
because I was just a big internalizer. So I grew up thinking everything was because of me, because of my shortcomings, not really understanding now what I can see in hindsight were totally microaggressions and racism that mm. now having been diagnosed can say, oh, this is some neurotypical bullshit that I should have had accommodations for, that they were expecting me to show up in this way that I couldn't. And so still it's kind of this swarmy, nebulous space that sometimes things float to the surface. Also, I I have like one of those breakdown YouTuber videos on my channel about my identity as coming to this place of mixed black because I also have had a lot of internalized racial trauma and I spent most of my life not really being able to reconcile my identity. And, you know, I'm the kind of person where I'm like, I'm just going to rip off the fucking bandaid and like, let everybody know what time of day it is with me. And we'll just see how it lands. And so I made a video where I'm just like bawling, talking about the fact that I grew up in a world where I internalized because I grew up very much on the white side of my family. So I internalized, okay, there's something different about you, but the closer you can get to us, the better it will be. So I became mm. like super Becky basically. <laughs> it's like, no. I, got this. I can, I can do dance team. I can show up this way. Hey, I'm like, I'm perfect. I'm fabulous. I don't have blonde hair and blue eyes, but like, it's okay because la di da da And what I've, so for me, what my activism surround was surrounded with and, and everything in my focus was always about being gay and the LGBTQ community and then neurodivergence. And it's been a slow roll to be able to really receive and understand all the ways in which my internalized racism has impacted me in my life and also the ways that I've impacted others and mm. really coming to terms with this space of blackness that I can inhabit because a lot of the stories also were like you're not black enough for us bye girl yeah. so yeah it's been really crazy to uncover a lot of that stuff but I think the swirl is also where the magic happens if you can try to navigate all these complex identity categories. Mm -hmm. I haven't, um, well, oh my gosh, this is actually full ADHD thing that is happening <laughs> in real time. Uh, uh, I had like 92 thoughts. One of them was the, um, I saw recently this thing around, it's like uh, neurodivergent folks, like when they're offering a story about themselves, it's not to like talk about themselves. It's to say like, I'm finding connection by this thing that I'm recalling, which can feel sometimes to folks that don't always have conversations that way. They're like, oh my God, this bitch won't stop talking about herself. But like, right. it's, it's what it's more about is like, I hear you because of this way. So what I'm about to offer <laughs> is um, I had this like late in life, ADHD diagnosis like last year and that was for me I hear you talking about trying to parse those things apart and it's impossible and obviously I don't hold a lot of those things but there is something about like growing up and being socialized as othered and queer that makes it easier to mask and hide the other stuff that actually needs some attention and love and like mm -hmm. I think it's like interesting to think about um, how we as adults can be offering little baby versions of ourselves like in our adulthood like what we need and and kind of rewiring what it means to like uh to grow up and to care for ourselves and to 
to step into a space of like, this is actually how we can come to this world. This way that we've done it has been great, but I'm exhausted. Let's figure out this new way to come to this. And I'm just wondering, like, what are some of those newer strategies that you've come to and offered yourself? I love that question. So, okay. So like story time, this is a great example of how my neurodivergence would manifest. When I was in seventh grade, I had thankfully a teacher who taught me this thing called the teacher stare. And I think she Mm. fucking made it up, but it's genius. (laughs) And all it is, is that you always make eye contact with the teacher. So Mm. then they look for your gaze because every teacher wants to feel listened to. And then every once in a while, you can be thinking about whatever you want, by the way, which all the time I was just like, special interest. What am I doing over here? But then every once in a while, when they're talking about something that's particularly difficult to grasp, you look a little confused. Mm -hmm. And then because they're looking for your gaze, they overexplain it. And then you get it. Uh Aha. And it's like this instant, probably oxytocin, dopamine, like boom, connection thing between them, you and them. So then what happens is in the beginning of like the term, when I had all the energy and stimulation, I could set up this idea of, Gia is a straight A student. Then inevitably the train would fall off the tracks. But by that time they had already coded me as this type of a student. So when I would have an emergency come up, they wouldn't question it. They would just give me whatever I needed. So most of the time it would be a grandparent that died. (laughs) And I would, because I was an actor also, and you know, and trying to thrive in my situation, I could turn on the waterworks. and I would need all of this, whatever. And they'd be like, okay, okay, whatever you need, like how much time, whatever. So I ended up getting decent grades because I would always go through this cycle. And thankfully teachers, I guess, didn't really talk to each other. This also was all through college too, by the way, they wouldn't really talk to each other. So I would just have these cycles of grandparents dying that would give me the accommodations I needed. Right. Cut to now having this understanding of the way that my brain works. I oftentimes communicate whilst also framing what that means. So I will just say to somebody who's like a client, for example, I really want to make sure that we can stay connected throughout this job. Just so you know, I have ADHD, which means that I have a little teacup saucer of attention. And if you fall off, it's in this nebulous vacuum that you'll never get out of. So if I don't respond in a couple of days, will you just ping me and float that email to the top of my inbox? I will never feel bad or nagged or anything like that, I will just deeply appreciate it. So being able to frame what that means and how they can support really means that I have, I'm walking through the world with a type of grace that people can afford me because I'm setting up those expectations. So I feel personally a little bit better about not having to be crazy manipulative in order to get what I need. But to your point, I also give myself grace in thinking about the past version of me that did whatever the fuck she needed to do to be able to survive. And that meant turning on the waterworks all the time, you know? I, I'm not mad at that (laughs) at all. Deeply identify with that story and like that trajectory specifically. I think a long time I didn't understand or think that I had ADHD because I was the straight A student, but also in retrospect, it was because I was receiving accommodations, but no one was calling them accommodations. Like no one was calling these things, uh, be it white privilege, be it like, you know, I, my mom is a teacher in the building somewhere. Like, but essentially it's saying, let's get you what you need for your education. But because I succeeded in these other ways previously, 
what like what you're saying, no one's questioning it. Like, right. and I think that that's what the conversation about accommodations largely needs to be more about. I think people experience accommodations all the time, but like they're framed in these contexts of either manipulation or privilege that then when it comes to like, hi, will you make these accommodations for me because now I have ownership of my language and how I want this to be, it's suddenly like, a, oh, you're asking for that? And it's like, well, I could manipulate you into it, but right. like, let's just, let's just talk about it, you know? Yeah, you're going to give it to me either way, baby. So let's just be, keep it on the up and up. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, what I find so interesting about that is, and I've been learning to do this myself, I think that being Black it's, you know, growing up, I wasn't able to ask for accommodations. If anything, it was like, I just have to sort of push through whatever and like deal with it because nobody cares right. <laughs> specifically because I'm black. What I have been learning to do through therapy now is sort of um, be honest about what I'm experiencing, about whatever di difficulty I'm going through. And part of that has been having to be really sort of comfortable with sharing my story and like who I am. So what kind of work have you had to do, Gia, to, like, be able to do that? Because it sounds like, I mean, you're not having to share your entire, like, life experience with these people to get an accommodation or for them to understand you. But um, I guess, like, how much of your story do you bring into those situations and just, like, overall? Yeah, I, so there's a lot of nuance in that question that I think is really important because I, my strategy is the very, like, East Coast strategy of, I'm going to let you know what time of day it is. So I like people know within, cause I'm, you know, you can't tell I'm gay unless I'm like flagging or like I have a beard because I just look the way I do. Nobody tell, nobody knows I'm gay. It's yeah. the tragedy of my life. So I have just, my whole thing is like, I'm just going to disclose as much as possible so that I don't have to deal with the awkward, sticky, uncomfortable situation of somebody feeling like, oh, I liked you until I knew this thing about you. Mm -hmm. That said, what I've been uncovering is that I think part of that is a trauma response in that kind of oversharing and trying to like just splay all my guts out so that I am not having to be on the defense trying to figure out, you know, where does where are these persons like what are their political beliefs? Where where are they going to be at with this X, Y, and Z? So what I do. I think is semi-strategic now, which is I share whatever I feel like will bring value, if that makes sense, which is not necessarily like optimal, I would say, because it's still based on kind of a manipulation, right? Like I'm guessing what I think is going to be valuable and sharing in that way. But okay. yeah, but at this point, I feel like there's kind of, there's a stuff that's so soft and so tough that would be a lot of times not good for me to share. It would just like really skew the dynamics of things. So there is kind of this guttural sense that I'm navigating everything through. And quite honestly, the more recent autism diagnosis is like kind of teetering on those borderlands for me mm. because I realized I've had so much internalized, I mean, just like shit about what it means to be autistic. Yeah. And what it means about your intelligence, what it means about your authority and power and the way that you show up in the world. And, you know, to have like my partner of four and a half years, which technically she's my former partner, current quarantine, platonic, because <laughs> we're, you know, we're lesbians. So like, <laughs> of course, it's got to be complicated. But she, you know, we were watching Love on the Spectrum and she was like, this is you. Whoa. Hey, this is wow. you. 
And I couldn't see it at first because I was just so admired in my ideas of what that would mean. And then in slowly, and this is like, what's so amazing about our time now with like TikTok, and you can go into these subcultures, into these worlds and really start to uncover things. And then when you take assessments and talk to people and everything, it's like, oh, wow, this is really a thing. But similarly to me, like with, with my racial identity and coming to terms with that, it is, if it's really like at your core soft innards and you share it at that point, you really have to be okay when people, it ignites something in somebody that again, is going to go straight for the jugular. And I've just decided I'm okay with that, but I don't necessarily think that's the best tactic for everyone, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally, um, I definitely am picking that up. I think the thing that you were saying earlier too, around that sort of trauma response of, before you reject me, I'm gonna give you so much context that like you can't really disagree with me because I know the positive and negative of, of what I'm about to say. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I totally get that. Yeah, um, it's a total like eight mile scenario, right? Where it's like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a verse about everything you were gonna pick out to say to me <laughs> <laughs> that would have fucked me up right. so that now you don't have anything to say. Yeah. This yeah. is twice now that eight mile has been mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> I just want to call it out. <laughs> what was the first one? I feel like, so, I feel like you, Maddie, I feel like you mentioned eight mile like, Four episodes back, or maybe that was some. I don't know. I feel like this is the oh, second I time you today. I was like, I, my memory is shit, but I. Oh no! In the history of this podcast, <laughs> if it happens a third time, we're gonna get Eminem on the show. <laughs> We've got to get Eminem. I'm gonna manifest that for you. Yeah, <laughs> please <Yeah>. God. Um, <laughs> we'll ask it what he thinks about stand culture. Um, I, I guess I'm curious. Um, <laughs> thanks. Um, so, okay, we talked a lot about like how you come to this world. But mm-hmm. you also do a lot of creating in this world, both with photography, you mentioned your YouTube channel a little bit. What has that creative process and what has that outpouring of that specific type of energy offered you and your own healing? Oh, that is, yeah, wow, okay. A lot. And so basically, I, I feel like there are different types of people in the world. And it when I was in my early 20s, I think, I realized this connection to creation for me, that I cannot be, I cannot not be creating. So a few days can maybe go by and I'll still kind of be okay, but then there's like this sharp drop off. And so for me, and I know for other people, this is not necessarily like that, but for me, I have to be in this generative mode and feeling like, even if it's somewhat delusional, it's going to have an impact. Like that's just what I need to feel good about my life and about my world. So mm-hmm. part of it is selfish in that way is, is just being able to transmute whatever is coming up for me, the lessons I've learned and be able to make it something that could potentially help somebody else. But in terms of the, the way that it's impacted me, I mean, I just could not have fathomed how much connection and support and love I could receive by really sharing honestly who I am. And that video about me sharing my biggest trauma in my life, which is like my racial trauma and identity and complexity, me sharing that, I 
there have been so many comments that just people from all over the world that are that feel seen and validated because I was willing to be vulnerable. And I feel like we all have that capacity to find that thing, to create that thing or series of things that can really resonate with people. But a lot of us don't do it because we're worried about being judged. And you will be judged, you know? I just feel like usually if you are really authentic, the ratio is, I mean, not even comparable in any sense. Like, but I've definitely had people on that video just kind of go after me and that is something that I've had to sit with, but you know, there have been so many more people that are just like, thank you so much. So for me, in terms of creating, it's one of these things that I, I probably personally need to work on being a little less connected to the feedback because for me, it's something that I really feel like helps me navigate my world and my experience is feeling like the things I do have meaning and are helping people. And I mean, I I think you are doing that. Like you are helping people and you are shining a light on um, some of those sub- those subcultures you mentioned that you see on TikTok and elsewhere. Um, we're going to obviously put your website in our recs and resources and plug it. But I mean, I'm just sitting here looking at some of the images uh, that you've taken. And first of all, they're like queer as fuck, which I love. <laughs> um, <laughs> as soon as I like went to your website, I was like, oh, yeah, like love this, love everything she's doing. And I mean, one of the one of the quotes here that you have from you uh, in your about me section is I'm driven to use photography to expand rigid notions of beauty, celebrate diversity and affirm the gorgeous and complex intersections of identity. So um, just with that and I mean, with some of these gorgeous portraits that you've taken, I mean, what? What sort of positivity have you experienced both on a mental health level and on a connection level with others um, doing that? Yes, I love that question. I mean, it really is, I think fundamentally, we all have these drives to be seen and to experience connection. So I really experience that when I am connecting with someone and really helping them embody their beauty, their power, their complexity, in terms of making an image. I would even say though, I do the same thing in the podcast and in in my YouTube channel where it's just like helping people connect with that essence of like, yeah, I'm bad as fuck. I'm amazing and I fucking love myself and I'm gonna show up with my full grandiosity because that, I just make it, well, Grandiosity, I think, is legitimately a word, but I also just like to make up words all the time. <laughs> Somebody caught me saying sparkle spastic the other day. And I was like, I yeah, I think that is, I think that's what it's gonna stick. I think it's like true to the essence of who I am. Um, but yeah, and so really like, first of all, the thing about image making, which I feel like everybody just needs to know, is that everybody is totally insecure about something. And if they show up in this like really big kind of like, oh, got, 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 got it, got it, got it sort of energy, it's usually because they're compensating for Mm -hmm. an insecurity that they have. So um, being on the other side of that and helping people through, get to that place where they're really connecting with that authentic core of badassery, that is my favorite thing. And it in turn helps me feel seen. So I love that you pointed out like on my site, yeah, I'm the people I'm drawn to are the people who are complex, who are beautiful, often in non-traditional ways, who are showing up boldly and authentically. And so me being able to create more images like that in the world 
really also helps the little kid in me who never felt seen. So it is, I feel like this beautiful circle of being, of belonging. Yeah. I also think that there's something really beautiful around sort of cementing yourself in some ways as a queer historian, you know, like I think in the diaspora, you know, uh, in the queer diaspora, I think that there's this element of, um, yeah, we're in this surge of the digital age where like everything is documented, but there's still something really beautiful around uh, taking a specific community and sort of like highlighting those folks that are there. I mean, I remembered your name when Jess connected us because of the portraits that you had done of like friends of mine, like Harlow, Harley and Yuko uh, and like, yeah. you know, I, I, like, I know there's like Carla and uh, Pepper Pepper, like all those folks, just like, um, I think that you, didn't you also do photography for like um, either Pride parties or like an Amanda Lepore show? show or yes, something like Amanda that? Lepore. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, I, I was at that show and that was, you know, uh, with my pals and like, uh, I don't know, I those people are very important to me and to, to see you document that with such care and such love, like, not everyone can do that, right? Like everyone can take a picture, but not everyone can do what you're talking about, which is like simultaneously putting something down to say like, we were fucking here, but also to be like, we were here and we were vulnerable and we were beautiful and that's why it was beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. I just, there, maybe there wasn't a question there, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I just, um, platter. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I, I really appreciate that because actually, so I, I got an MFA in visual studies, I think more than any, in 2011, more than anything, I think because I didn't feel good enough to be an artist. And so I went to grad school to be an artist and I went into it not knowing who the Michael Jordans of the art world were. So it just triggered all sorts of imposter syndrome issues, whatever. But most of my cohort were these white cis hetero dude bros that would challenge me in what I wanted to do. And I'm really grateful to them because they helped me develop a language around it. But for me, it really is taking the aesthetic and all of the implications of what makes royalty in America, right? Which are like slick magazine portrait kind of treatment and applying that to the people that I think should be revered. And that combination to me has always felt like the the most valuable thing that I could contribute in the world is just saying like, these are people who deserve to be seen as, be- you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> do it we love it (laughs) yeah and um and it's true like all the people that you mentioned are these deeply beautiful souls that for various reasons are told that they shouldn't exist in their full embodied state in the world for whatever reason and i just want to be able to create imagery but also create that experience in each person of like you exactly who you are is valid and bold and beautiful and fucking amazing. And even if it's just you and I here who are going to see it, we're going to fucking see it. But my goal is always to then put those images in the way of the white cis hetero dude bros and seduce them into really seeing the authenticity and the beauty in these individuals that they would have disregarded. Yeah, I I know that you're talking 
to everyone, to the listeners. And I just, in my headphones right now, I just, I had, I just had a moment because I was like, oh my God, I'm just being talked directly to right now. Just like, I feel very, I feel very um, grateful to have heard that. So thank you. Yeah. Grateful is the word. I literally was sitting here just like, Jesus, like you, the work you're doing is so important. And I think that, I don't know, we're just, we're lucky to have you. And I think that Obviously, the work that you do now and who you are now and able to offer this um, to others wouldn't exist if you hadn't gone through what you've gone through in life. Um, And I don't know. I just I'm I'm filled with a lot of gratefulness for you. And I, I, I don't know. I just appreciate what you do as a human being on this planet. Well, I appreciate I mean, it's it's tough for me to take compliments (laughs) you know what i mean to really receive that i'm working on i'm working on not just like saying like a snide sarcastic sort of like fluff it off thing (laughs) because that really is deeply resonant to me that the thing that i feel most called to do that the way i feel like i i desperately need to show up in the world is actually doing what i hope it would do yeah. if that makes sense. And yeah, because I, 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 like anybody, you struggle with insecurities and feeling like you're not big enough. You're not doing what you need to do and you're failing over here. And it, it's easy to lose sight of the why I think. And those moments when I have shown up fully embodied in my meanness ha- those moments have really been when I've been connected deeply to that why and not gotten lost on like the vanity metrics and you know how many likes did this get and really just saying like no this is about something bigger and it's okay if i'm not going to be rock star number four Uh, because i actually i don't know if you know this about me but i went to la at at 19 because i was going to be the next meryl street I still see that for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I guess what happened. We can still manifest that. <laughs> okay, um, perfect. Yeah, it's funny because I, I, I mean, I feel like everybody, you have these moments where you just feel like such a huge failure. And I went down, like, I didn't take the SATs. I was just like, I don't care. This is my journey. This is my path. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. And actually, the reason I left the industry was because of me being mixed. And which didn't ever come as like, oh, it's because you're, you know, you're mixed. You're, it was because they would say, we don't know who we would get to play your parents. Mm. Mm, yeah. And yeah, also like because that. of my weight that they would say, you have the body of a 22 year old and the face of a 16 year old. So, yeah. Jesus. Um, but I'm so grateful to have had all that journey and all those experiences because it taught me really about what my calling is, what type of power ultimately I want to have. Like, I don't want to be the person that is reliant upon these gatekeepers to tell me how to show up and who, how, who I can connect with and all these things. Is that on me? Did you hear the siren? Yeah. I can tell if that was in my land or not. Girl, they, sh- you, they showing up to get you. You can't be talking out like this. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <They're coming. Stupid>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I lost the thread though, but hopefully, I don't know. What was it? Oh, no. That, I feel like you okay. summed it up perfectly. Um, don't ask is, us. We're like barely picking. Yeah, we're like the same way. I'm like, what? 
<laughs> my dog over here will bark and I'd be like, we have to start all the way over again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like film the podcast all over again. Yeah. Um, Can you go back to the first question? Because I've lost it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, it has been a pleasure speaking with you, uh, you know, during the work here. And I think that, again, like what you're doing is so valuable for um the queer community for the world i'm not even going to just like sit here and single out like our community that we speak to on this podcast um and i'm just i'm grateful to have you on um and obviously we would love to have you on again until then um you do host the bot the bod the bold bitch podcast um and you also have your youtube channel um which we will definitely link to all those things but our listeners uh feel free to check gia out she's out here doing amazing 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 work well, thank you both so much. This was really fun. And actually, it was something that I feel like you both got me to a, an extra level of vulnerability here that I really appreciate having a chance to be able to share that. Oh, well, thank you. We we like to be somewhat like fake therapists, so that <laughs> was probably part Mission of it. accomplished. Yeah. yeah. We all may right, be well, therapists, but you're not your therapist. But we're so. not your therapist, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, let's take a break, and then we're going to come back and take meds, um, talk about some homework. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. We're almost ready to come back again. All right, we're going to take some meds and get up out of here. So um, I'll go ahead and start because I'm in such a good mood. I already said it at the top of the podcast. (laughs) I think spring is actually officially here in Portland. Um, The sun has been out pretty consistently. I looked at the weather report. It's going to be out consistently. Um, Portland is this thing where like it'll goop you and you'll think it's spring and then all the rain will come back for like a month and a half. And then like, you know, spring actually happens and summer happens. I don't think we're getting gooped this year. It's been pretty consistently, like, nice. Um, and I only see sunny days coming up. So that makes me really, really, really happy because I thrive, like most people, in the sun. Um, that I you are plus, asking for that. Huh? <laughs> You're not going to manifest that rain, baby. <laughs> no, I hope not. God, I hope The I'm universe said, ha, you thought, baby. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and then my other mad, because I'm taking two pills this week, uh is I will be fully vaccinated in like an hour. (laughs) So that sun, spring being here and full vaccination means I'm about to be out here in these streets having a hot girl summer. Um, No, I'll still be safe. It'll be like a, it'll be like a warm girl summer instead of a cold girl summer. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, Gia, what are your meds this week? So I am hooked on this Netflix series called Oscuro Deseo. And it is like this sexy, tryst-worthy kind of Mexican, almost telenovela, but like in really like upgraded, like cinematic quality. It has a bajillion episodes, so (laughs) I'm here for that. And it's just everybody's fucking everybody. And like, there are all these sort of like, oh my God, kind of (laughs) moments. And I just thrive on the drama that other people are having so (laughs) that's the first one and then the second one is creating content i have been out of town for the last week and a half which was like the first trip since covid started and i know a lot of people are like oh it's so sad when a vacation ends and i'm just like i'm excited to get back to my life like (laughs) i 
really love making shit and that is just filling me up so far, especially with this renewed gratitude for being able to be in my space and doing it. I love that. Um, what's the name of the show again? Oscuro Deseo. I think it's uh, Dark Desire. It's, yeah. Huh. I think it's the world translation, yeah. It's a um, real guy. <laughs> Check it out. I, we, I used to watch, um, oh God, what is it? Casa de House of Flowers, which is Casa on Netflix. Flores, yeah. yeah, there we go. There we go. There we go. Also very, you know, telenovela. I loved it. But yeah. I'm going to have to check that out too. <laughs> I just yeah, got Grey's Anatomy. Got. You know, I got to keep up with my stories. Mm. Um, that was embarrassing. I don't actually know if they mean <laughs> oh, that. Well, <laughs> not just stories. Dang, I haven't heard that in a while. A long time, actually. That made I need me really to leave. Happy. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, my meds this week are... Uh, Yesterday, I was driving. Um, there's this like little nude beach in Austin that's like, it's just a park that is on this lake. And it's not exactly a beach. It's kind of like these uh, like rocks, like a, but on a hill. And then there's flat. People look like goats, essentially. It's like everyone's like, you know, layered up on this thing. But it was just really hot. And on the drive out there, I have this like really stupid obnoxious like red mustang rental right now like honestly because it was the cheapest option like somehow it was cheaper than the ford fiesta i don't know how but it was and um so i've just got this like fuck boy mustang <laughs> but i'm like driving like 30 minutes outside of the city and uh i just kind of had a playlist whatever and octo octa's river came on and octo octa is a trans dj that i just was actually at the last like pride gig that i did was I watched this person DJ. I had not heard of her before. And then I watched this like magic happen and like pulling full records out and just like so quickly just creating the soundscape. Anyway, they have a, um, they have music out on Spotify and River came on and it's like seven minutes of just kind of like, it feels like a river. You're like kind of flowing with it. And just being in the sun in this fuckboy car, like on the way to the water, I just was like, I had a very sun is here moment where I was just fully like, I got sunburned, you know, but it was that kind of day. It felt good. Wow. <laughs> it felt good. I love that. <laughs> I mean, sans the sun damage. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. My face is fine. It's just my back, you know, whatever. Okay. That's, and that's, <laughs> that's the moneymaker girl. Yeah. <laughs> Can't look tired like me. Um, what's the homework? <laughs> Stupid. Um, all right. Homework time. So we're going to stick with journaling because it has been really helpful for me. I hope it's been helpful for y'all. Um, we're going to stay with our identity is a bit. Um, and this might feel a little like an expansion on last week's homework assignment. And honestly, it, if you did last week's homework assignment, it should help you out a bit. Um, but what I want you to do, uh, pull out your journals. I want you to write down two to three challenges because we want to keep this like manageable. Two to three challenges you've experienced specifically related to the identities you hold um mm -hmm. over the last decade or so right i don't want to i actually don't want to limit it too much but again i want to make this manageable for people um from there i want you to bullet out how you've coped and remained resilient through each one of those two or three challenges um and then from there I just want you to meditate and think a little bit on if there's a theme if there is just like write that theme down um and all of this is just for information. I'm not going to say whether that theme is right or wrong or healthy or toxic. You're going to know the answer to that. Um, don't judge yourself for it. Instead, I want you to just look at it as information and think about how you can bring that 
that uh, theme more into your life, or if it's a theme that you're not feeling that might be unhealthy, might be untoxic, what you can do to start leaning away from it. Um, so again, this is more of an information assignment, less of a change who you are, a change of behavior assignment. It's more about just identifying your identities uh, and then thinking a little bit more on how those identities are affecting um, what you're bringing to the world. And then homework too, because you got two assignments, y'all. Yeah, I said it. Um, Because sometimes that happens, right? Um, Anyways, homework assignment two is ask us questions for our anniversary episode. Uh, We've mentioned it the last few times, but we are about to be one years old. Next episode. That's it. Oh, my God. Like, time flies when you're in a pandemic. Um, (laughs) So as part of that, we are going to answer 21 questions from you, our listeners. Um, You can send us questions via Instagram. Just DM us um, at QBTPod. Or you can email us at QBTPodcast at gmail.com. And we will keep everything confidential, just like a therapy session. Um, We won't say your name. We will read all those questions anonymously. So do not worry if you ask something ridiculous. Um, we won't even look at it. Like we will have somebody else look at it and completely delete your name if, if you're afraid of that as well. Um, but ask us some questions, y'all. So there go your two homework assignments, journaling and asking us some questions. I love it. Um, um, Maddie, Gia, yeah. thank you so much for being here. I have had such a, uh, well, afternoon here, but also, let's be real, it was my morning. I am like... Uh, <laughs> really um i don't know i don't know what i was expecting but i i feel really humbled and i feel really grateful for your presence and um also to hear not just about i think i was expecting to just dive right into photography and and i think that we had a a much richer conversation that you know i don't know you and yet i'm like oh my god i get you i understand <laughs> thank you so much for sharing with you me see me you really see me <laughs> yeah well i am so i'm just so grateful that you both asked me to come on because i feel similarly it's really a beautiful amazing connecting thing to see people who are showing up and i mean to use language that i'm a little biased to use who are showing up boldly and just really doing the damn thing and it just to be able to have vulnerable raw sticky amazing conversations it's just yeah it really is amazing and i appreciate you both so much Mm. for our listeners where can they find all of your work so youtube bold bitch all of it Yes. So everything related to the podcast is at boldbitch.com and everything else related to me is at giagoodrich.com. So you can just YouTube me. If you YouTube Zoom, I will probably come up and yeah. Yeah. If, if you are looking for some tutorials on how to light yourself and how to make yourself look a little bit more gorgeous for your Zoom class, Gia is the one to go to. Gia, Gia has all the Which tips. Which some of I'm y'all you, need some she help She puts with. them into practice. I see it in, in front of me. She, she's not lying. <laughs> um, alrighty, friends. You ready to get out of here? Enjoy your Sunday. You ready to go get vaccinated, Shani? Get pricked? Yes. I'm ready to be <laughs> vaccinated. Probably. I heard the second one isn't as like nice as the first one. So I'm also fully prepared to just like be in bed the rest of the afternoon. But um, whatever. It's about long term. Um, and we're getting Pfizer. Like we're not fucking with that Johnson & Johnson. And, uh, we're not fucking with anything other shit. than We haven't Pfizer, even talked yeah. about all of that. But anyways, yeah, I'm ready to get up out of here. The sun is okay. calling me. What? The sun is... I thought you said someone's calling me. I'm like, you didn't have to say that on here. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
try to talk slick all up in my ear and shit. <laughs>